Foster parenting can be incredibly complex for many reasons, but adding a co-parenting relationship to the equation can create a richer, more positive experience for everyone. Today we are talking about co-parenting. Join us today on Fostering the Future. Welcome to the Fostering the Future podcast, a show about all things child welfare, dependency, adoption, and foster care. Here are your hosts, veterans in the world of child welfare, Jack and Kat. We believe that every human has incredible and equal value regardless of what side of the courtroom we sit on. We hope that everyone feels welcome and accepted here on Fostering the Future. Make sure you follow us on Facebook or Instagram as Fostering the Future Podcast, or check us out on our website at fosteringthefuturepodcast.org. So today we're talking about co-parenting, and let's just define that, because co-parenting can mean different things in different situations. But when we're talking about children in the dependency system, what we're referring to here is the biological parents and the foster parents working together in a partnership to parent these children so that they're as loved and protected as they could possibly be while they're going through this traumatic situation. That's so true. And today we have a special dynamic. Here we have Mac, who is a biological parent, and then we have Jack, my co-host. And Mac and Jack have been co-parenting together for three years. Would you guys like to tell us about it? Uh, It's been fantastic. In my opinion, this has been my favorite foster placement ever. I adore her kids. And I would say, you know, there were a couple things that drew me to her right away. And the first thing was her kids. And we kept saying, like, we can tell that these kids have been taken care of because it's not always like an evident thing. Like, we can tell that these kids are so loved. They're just incredible and resilient little people. And um, they're so much fun and they're so sweet and snuggly and lovey. And so the thing that made me love her right from the um, right from the break off was how much I loved her kids and how incredible they were. And then once uh, I got to know her and saw the honesty and, uh, you know, just she's very blunt. She tells you how it is, whether it's good or bad. You know, she's always the very first person to admit any mistake she makes. Um, you know, anytime she's made a mistake, she'll tell everybody before anybody else knows, you know. And uh, these are the things that I love about her. And these are the things that have made co-parenting with her go so much better than in any other situation I've had. Um, with me, I was really um, nervous at first because there was somebody I didn't know having my kids. But then after um, my kids, I did visits with my kids and my kids are snitches. So they tell all. <laughs> I felt comfortable because like my kids would have told me if they were like felt unsafe or there was anything bad happening. And um, I would rather co-parent with Jack than any of my other children's father. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I can say this. Yeah. Um, so let me just ask you guys, why should biological parents try to co-parent? What are the advantages? I mean, from my side of things, like I would say that uh, I think that 
it's good when uh, biological parents co-parent with me because, you know, A, I can help encourage and support them as well because the best way to help the child is for that parent to, you know, get to a point where they can get them back, but also because it's just better for the kid. But from your point of view as the parent, um, what, what would you say to other biological parents about, you know, why it's important for them to co-parent with fosters? I personally think it's easier to co-parent with them because then you get a bond with them and like it makes so things go so much smoother than like if you don't have any kind of bond with them. And then plus seeing like we both love the same the same kids. So it's easier for the kids to see that we're getting along and like we both love them and it makes reunification a lot easier. I, from an outsider, I think it gives kids more stability when they, they feel like a big family. Yeah, and I, I always think one of the things that I love is when um, either I say something about you or if I um, if they tell me something about you and I'm like, I already know, I talk to your mom all the time. The smile they get on their face when they realize the connection that we have, like, I mean, your kids are smiling anyways, but like, they're so expressive that you always know what they're thinking. And um, like, when I talk about you as, as someone who's important to me, like, I see the joy that that brings the kids. And that's like, one of my favorite things about our relationship is how it how it makes your girls feel. So they do that for me too when um, they come home for me and they're talking about something that happened at Jack's house. I'm like, oh, I already know that. And they're like, oh, how do you know? And I'm like, we talk all the time. What are you talking about? And they like laugh at me. They're like, oh, okay. So like nothing they say like surprises me because like I already know what's going on. Like somebody gets in trouble. I'm like, I already know. We already know. So... Mac, what did you think about Jack and Jack Daddy before you met them? (laughs) Um, So I was terrified. I was like, what kind of house is my kids at? Like, what's going on? Because being a parent, you hear about all these horror stories about foster care. And, like, you hear, like, they're in it for the money. And knowing now it's not, that's not the case. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) But, like, I was terrified. Um, I was like, what happens if my kids aren't getting taken care of? What happens if they're getting beat? What happens if they're starving my kids? What happens if they're not paying attention to my kids? And, you know, my kid sticks a Lego up her nose again. Um, But now knowing them, like, I know my kids are safe. Like, I know that they're being taken care of and they're being fed sometimes more than they need to be (laughs) they don't know how to stop eating but also with them with the co-parenting bond jack will tell me like you know my youngest kid likes to eat too much and don't let her eat too much because she will get a belly ache and i accidentally overfed my kid and she did throw up because (laughs) i didn't know it the first time yeah i mean that happened to me too when we adopted my oldest Um, And we've talked about this before. When I adopted my oldest from Africa, he was malnourished and he hadn't had a variety of food. So like the first couple days of uh, having him with us, uh, I didn't, you know, we hadn't even had kids before. So we didn't know how much they ate. And, you know, we certainly didn't want to limit like this little child who, you know, was so um, in need of nourishment. We just wanted to give him all the nourishment he could have. And it took a while for us to learn how much food was too much because he would just eat and eat and eat until he threw up. So, you know, definitely been there before. So don't feel bad about that. Um, So I started trusting them. It didn't really take me very long to start trusting them because, again, my kids tell all. So like, they do. (laughs) So, like, it was really easy to get comfortable with them. But then when she started, like, showing that she trusted me Mm -hmm. and, like, 
believed in me and knew I was going to make it, um, that built a lot of trust for me too. I mean, that's really, I think that takes a lot of proactive, you know, relationship building to do that. Um, how would you recommend starting a relationship with foster parents if you were a bio parent? So, I mean, starting the relationship is always hard because both parties do have their guards up in the beginning and it's not like mm -hmm. a foster parent can just be like, here's my phone number, contact me if you need something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really remember how I got Jack's number at some point, but at some point it happened. And um, once we had phone numbers exchanged, it made everything so much easier, like setting up visits through each other instead of going from me to mm -hmm. her or to from me to or case management to her it made it a lot easier um, dropping off and then the communication just slowly started from there that's so nice so what would you say to other biological parents who, who really struggle um, having or maintaining a relationship with their fosters like what do you think is something that you did that helped you have a good relationship with us um, honestly it's trusting them like they have what's best for your kids like in mind they they're there taking care of them when you can't do it right now. So it was trusting them that like you weren't going to do something that was going to harm my kids. But I feel like that was a lot easier for me because my kids do tell like everything, yeah. anything, <laughs> anything you think, like even yeah. if you didn't do something wrong, they're still saying something. Yeah, like, so it made uh, it a lot easier. On, uh, on Friday, um, her third oldest child uh, said to me when we were in the car, I'm your favorite daughter, right? Or I'm your favorite kid, right? And I'm like, sure, which is what I always tell my kids. And, you know, I, I just want, I want all my kids to feel like they're the most special thing in the world to me. So I always just say, sure. But she said that to me and I'm like, sure. And then uh, as soon as they got in the car, uh, the first thing that she told everybody was that uh, I said she was my favorite. So I spent the weekend sending both of them texts, telling each of them how much they were my my favorite, how's my favorite daughter doing now? How's my favorite daughter doing now? So, um, but yeah, you, I mean, there is nothing that happens that uh, these kiddos don't share. And I think that's a credit to them. I was thinking we could talk about some of the actual scientifically proven benefits of co-parenting. Like, you know, you and I know from our relationship and what we've seen with the kids, like how great co-parenting has been. And really, I think, I, I know it's made my job easier uh, to be their foster mom is, is to be able to have this relationship with you. And I hope that our relationship has made your job easier and allowed you to focus on the stuff you needed to work on because you knew that, you know, that I had your back. A hundred percent. It made me like going into inpatient and like knowing my kids were safe. And if something was to happen, you weren't just going to be pushed aside. Like you were going to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. If something was to happen, that made me feel a lot better. And then um, when I did start to get phone call visits, or phone calls um, on the phone, like whenever I did call, you made a point to like make sure I, you answered and let me talk to them, even if it was for like five seconds, because by the time I got on the phone, that's how long it was on, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so uh, actually they've done like studies on this and they've shown that when you co-parent, there's an increased chance of reunification. So there's a better chance that kids are gonna go home to their parents, mm -hmm. to their biological parents. They're, they've proven that it decreases the time till permanency. So whether they go home or end up being adopted, co-parenting makes that happen quicker so that the child is in limbo for less time. I can definitely see how that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a decreased chance of failed reunification. So when there's this um, 
working co-parenting relationship between the foster parents and the biological parents, there is less chance that the parent is going to um, repeat mistakes of the past and that the children are going to be brought into care. And that's huge. It really is huge. Um, but And this is what um, Mac and I have seen a lot of is that it reduces childhood trauma because we work together. They know that we care about each other and they know that we're a team together and that this whole team here and this partnership is about how much we love them. And, um, and that does reduce their childhood trauma. So, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that um, I actually kind of got thrown into right when I was initially becoming a foster parent is something called an icebreaker meeting. Have you ever been in an icebreaker? I have, not. have you ever? Well, I don't think so because your kids um, initially went to a relative and they don't always do icebreaker meetings and they call them different things. But basically, it's a first contact between a foster parent and a biological parent. So my first experience with um, foster care placements was actually an ECC case, right? So that's early childhood court. It's a specialized court in the state of Florida. And actually, I I believe it's national. And um, so things are done a little differently, but they're very proactive, especially with um, having these icebreaker meetings at the beginning of a case where you sit at a table across from the um, parent, if you're the foster parent, or the foster if you're the biological parent, and you know you talk about the kids and you kind of you know introduce yourself and let them know where the child is, and so you know when when you're able to have this first contact in a way that's healthy, and um, you know that's a great way to start co-parenting. Yes, absolutely, because then they they really get a glimpse of who you are and right. that you're a proactive foster parent. Right. I remember, um, you know, it's really scary when you first become a foster parent because you don't know, you know, what you're stepping into. You don't know who the kids are that are coming to your house. You don't know what to expect. And you don't know what the biological parents are going to think of you. You know, like, I just always worry, like, do, do they feel like I'm worthy enough to be in this position? Obviously, they don't want their kids in care. But if they have to be in care, like, am I good enough? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, you know, we all feel sometimes like we're not good enough parents for our kids. But then when you bring someone else's kids into the equation, Absolutely. it's like, how am I worthy? Like, you know, I'm just a normal person. And, you know, they deserve to be with their parents. So it's very intimidating sometimes when you first meet the biological parent, because you're like, you know, it, it, yeah. it wasn't you. You have nothing to do with the removal, and you're just trying to be there to support their kids well, yeah. and them. And you're both human. I mean, yeah. the only thing that separates you is the decision that, or you know, whatever caused them to come into care. Right. right. Do you have any tips, like any first contact tips for foster parents? Well, for foster parents, I would say um, a big thing is to remember how emotional a parent can be in this moment due to the trauma of removal. Like, uh-huh. and the only thing I can compare it to is like having someone you know die it's like this deep trauma where you're dealing with um you know what you could have done differently and how can you fix this and you know so i would say just as a foster parent remember how emotional that parent might be and give them the benefit of the doubt you know if they're angry understand that that anger is coming from trauma and if they're you know I think what happens a lot of the times when kids first come into care is you'll get a lot of, you know, I don't like the outfit they were in or mm-hmm. they should have been wearing pants instead of shorts or shorts instead of pants. or Wrong size diaper. Wrong, their yeah. hair is wrong. Yeah. I don't yeah. like the, their hair that way. And that really isn't, you know, so, so the next tip is don't take things personal because it's really not about you. It's really not about your care of their child. It's really more about, 
you know, they feel like all of the control has been taken out of their life Mm -hmm. and they have no way to fix it immediately, right? Because it's not like you can snap your fingers or say a magic word and your kids come home. So, you know, it's this feeling of being out of control and being traumatized that, you know, you just got to give them a little break and allow them to, you know, make comments like that and be like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, what can you show me how you like to do their hair? Or explain to them maybe, you know, they've been in air conditioning the whole time and I didn't want them to be cold even though it's hot outside. So, you know, I made mm-hmm. sure they had pants on. But, you know, if you're worried about that, you know, I'll, I'll go put a pair of shorts on them. Just giving them the mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt. Um, I would say to provide some basic personal information, tell them about your home and your routines um, and anything that you've noticed about their child since they've been placed with you. Um, I always think it's good to point out like the positive things about the child to their parent because, you know, I have kids. When somebody tells me positive things about my kids, it makes me happy mm-hmm. and it makes me feel good. And I want I want them to know, you know, that I've seen the good in their child and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how great their kid is. So It's I a reflection of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, pointing out the positive things about their kids to them is important. Um, something very big is, I think, asking for recommendations on the child because the parent is the expert on the child. Nobody knows that child like the parent does. And so asking them for recommendations, like, is there something that I should know? Is there something I can do when they're upset? You know, um, what can you recommend to me to to be able to help your child while they're in my home Mm -hmm. um, until they can come home to you? So um, I would say asking about hair care preferences, especially if the child is a person of Mm -hmm. color. Um, and, uh, asking about the family, like the names of people in their family, their siblings, pets, food likes, dislikes, allergies, medical information. These are the things that you really need to get straight from the parents so that, Mm -hmm. you know, you can take as good care of them as, as possible. But also it's important for that parent to be part of this process. Right. Um, another thing that I would suggest is asking for a photo of the family so you can put it up in the kids room so they can remember who their family is. Yeah. They have some kind of a link. And, and also it shows that, that you as their foster parent is supportive of who their family unit is. I feel like these are really proactive tips. Mac, do you have any first contact tips for biological parents? So the photo, the picture of the family, I know that helps a lot. Um, the girls, I made a collage for the girls and um, they have it at Jack's house and it's hanging up in their room. And whenever they talk to me, they're like, oh, we miss you. But then we look at your picture and we know you know, you're still around and you still love us. And um, we actually all have bracelets also Yeah. <laughs> that um, Jack has one of that she just happens to not be wearing. Uh, it's I keep it in my car because otherwise it comes, kids pull on it. But I do have it. And every time I look at it, I think of that. And uh, But I mean, getting special. along with her makes it a lot easier with the kids too because they know like we're one big family at the end of it. And even when they do come home, they're still going to... They still have our phone number to call her, and they still are allowed to go see her. Yeah, so I think it's good for bio parents to share things like bedtime routines, toileting abilities, you know, allergy medical information, bathing and grooming abilities, because different kids have different abilities at different ages mm-hmm. of whether they can, you know, really scrub their hair good when they take a shower or clean all of their parts. So mm-hmm. these are good things to share with the foster parents. So you can make sure that they're cared for properly. Um And, you know, if there's things that your kids are afraid of or there's like a song or a blanket or something that helps calm them down, um, sharing these things with a foster parent as the biological parent uh, will definitely help make that first contact uh, go over better. So overall, some co-parenting tips for foster families. 
Can we go over those? Okay, so one thing that I would say as for foster parents is definitely don't be reactive. I've seen situations sometimes with other foster parents where um, the biological parent makes an insult or a threat or whatever, and they get reactive and they respond. And it's like, you got to keep in mind that this person has been traumatized by having their child removed. Mm -hmm. And whatever mistakes they've made, like there's probably with some type of trigger or trauma to instigate it. Absolutely. And so just don't be reactive. Like, be the calm presence. Um, mm-hmm. Try and be helpful, supportive. Don't take things personally. Have open, regular communication. I think that's super important because when a parent does not get to see their kid every day like they're used to, like, you've got to let them feel connected and part of, of what's going on with their kids. Yeah, that helped me a lot. Like being able to talk to you and like you letting me know like the girls did good in school or something that made it a lot easier for me because like I knew what was going on even though I wasn't there. Right, yeah, right. That's so helpful. I think having really healthy boundaries, maintaining them, clarifying them is really good because yeah. if you don't do that, resentment sets in. Yeah. And resentment is a really kind, it's a really unkind thing to have towards somebody. I always think it's good to set some good, healthy boundaries in the beginning. And then as you get to know each other, you can figure out whether those boundaries mm-hmm. need to stay in place. Like, honestly, Mac is the only biological parent, really, that has spent significant time in my house and, you know, around my other kids. And that's just because, like, you know, you have to get to a point where you know the person and you mm-hmm. understand, you know, what, you know, what what to expect. And, you know, there are some of my kids you know, the kids that have been in my home's biological parents, that if I had right off the bat let them in my house, it could have become a safety concern. Or it could have just become, like, created a lot of conflict or judgment from whatever. So, you know, I think you have good, healthy boundaries, and then you see where the relationship goes and what you're allowed to, uh, you know, modify as you go. Um, I love the idea of sending photos to help create that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because, you know, it's their kids and, you know, yeah. you, you got to make sure that they know what, you know, what what's going on with their kids. And, you know, I know even when I send like a kid to one of my parents or uh, my husband's uh, parents for the night or the weekend, like I miss them so bad. Oh, and too. when one of them sends me a picture, it's I like, I love it. Oh, okay. I love it when I get photos of my kids when they're away. Yes, it's, it's good. So I think that's a helpful thing that foster parents can do for biological parents and be respectful, be kind and caring and just give the benefit of the doubt because, you know, regardless of what they've done, um, you know, we all could have made those mistakes, all of us. every single one of us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just understand they're going through so much. They've been traumatized by the removal. Mm-hmm. And anything negative that you do is only going to make things harder for them. It and if is. our goal is to get these families uh, repaired and reunified, then being anything but respectful, kind, and caring is not going to help the no, situation. it's just going to cause resistance. Yeah. I think respecting the relationship that they have with their kids. And helping to keep them strong, too. Yeah. Yes. Is really no matter which way the case is going, yeah. you know, just respecting that and allowing that to grow is so helpful. It's good for the kids. It's good for the parents. It's right. good for everything. It's good for everybody. Um, one thing, you know, they say this, and it's such a basic thing. Like, never say anything negative about the kids' um, uh, parents in front of them, or I would say even at all, because if you ever say stuff like that, it's just like you just don't want that to be part of like your mindset because. Um, you know, these parents, um, that's who the child identifies as. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like you're insulting the child as well. It is. It is. A, and that's kind of their personal information. So if you're talking about something that happened or something that the parent did, 
It's not really... And I wouldn't want someone pointing out everything negative that I've done in my life. Right. Yeah. Yes. And Jack points out me so good to the girls that, like, they think I've never done anything wrong in my whole entire <laughs> life. Like, I have to remind them that I do mess up. But, and, they, but actually, and that's one thing that I would say about her is I, I remember there was a time where um, her girls were in my car with another foster daughter of mine. And um, they said to this other child, um, why are you in foster care? And the other child said... I don't know. My mom didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, well, our mom made a mistake and um, she was addicted to something, but she's working on getting better. And, and, and the, the difference in the, the mental health that just spoke yeah. volumes there was huge. Like they were honest. They weren't embarrassed. They were proud of their mom. And they spoke from the honesty that their mom spoke from, which like, you know, I just sat there and I was so proud of them and so proud of Mac when they said that. Yeah. Well, it's that, integrity. Yeah. Like, it, that's integrity. Huge. I also don't want them to be scared of people that, like, where they were taken away. Like, I don't want them to think they were taken away for no reason and that I really did nothing wrong. So, I like, I make sure to let them know I did mess up, but I'm fixing it. Like, I did do something wrong. You were yeah. not taken just because, you know... You look, you got blonde hair or something, you know, (laughs) I did do something wrong. Right. Well, and I think that's so important. And that's actually a conversation that I had with the other child's uh, guardian ad litem shortly after that, because I was very concerned. Like, could you imagine going through life thinking that because her mom had told her that I didn't do anything wrong. They just took you. Yeah. To, to think that you could just be taken for any reason is terrifying for a child. I didn't want them to feel like that, so like I made sure they knew because I didn't want them to think once they come back home they're just going to get taken again because yeah. you know it's happened before. Right. Right. Um, so I would say uh, another thing you could do as a foster parent to help co-parent is to invite your child's parent to their events, stuff at their school, uh, sporting events. I know that when my girl's mom came to watch them play softball this year, they were just like. They talked about it up until the game when they would be like, I don't want to play today because they, you know, would see their mom and they would just want to snuggle her and be with her. But they were so proud that their mom came to their game. So that. that was really cool for them. And I'm glad that she was able to partake in that with us. Another thing was like whenever I wasn't able to make it to a game, you never were like, oh, you should have been here. Like, you always made sure, like, oh, I understand you have something else that you have to do. You never put me down for not showing up. I mean, and sent me photos. Most of the time you didn't show up was because you were, like, you know, going to your classes, doing the things you needed to do to get them back. So, um, you know, how could I ever admonish you for, you know, doing everything that you've worked so hard to do? Um, Yeah, and there we go. So praise, (laughs) the last thing that a foster parent can do is really praise the parent's effort and encourage continued success. Because, you know, when a case manager tells you, okay, you checked off these lists, they're not like, yay, good job, you know. They're just doing a job and, you know, they're making sure you do it, but nobody is going to be cheerleading you from, like, you know, the guardian program or the case management program. So if you as a foster parent you know, I get so excited when my kids' parents make make um, accomplishments like that. So go ahead and tell the parent. Um, it might it might help them feel better and uh, be encouraged to continue in that success. It's true. Um, Mac, what co-parenting tips do you have for biological parents? Um, one of the things that makes it easy is um, to communicate. Like um, me and Jack, we have open communication. Like if I have them on overnights or she has them and like something happens I don't have to wait until the end of the weekend to like tell her something happened or like 
she apparently does a good job at what she's doing or they wouldn't keep giving her kids. So, like, I asked for <laughs> advice on, like, hey, this one just, you know, slammed my door. What do I do? Because, like, I'm not okay with that. Um, providing information about the child. Like, um, when my youngest, well, not my youngest, but my almost youngest, um, mm-hmm. went into her home, um, we, she's, um, more sensitive and, um, makes a bigger deal out of everything (laughs) and, like, giving her a heads up that just because she's crying doesn't mean, like, she's extremely hurt. Like, she just is, you know, attention-seeking a little bit. Like, so she's not freaking out when my kid's freaking out because she does it if, you know. Yeah, and if I didn't know that, I probably would freak out because, like, like, we were just talking about, like, a fly could land on her arm and she acts like someone just stabbed her with a knife. So if I didn't know that in advance, I would have been totally freaked out every time she cried yeah so. she's she's definitely a drama queen and she likes <laughs> she likes the attention yeah, yeah um i also like whenever we i do have to bring them back um i like encouraging and i'm just like oh they missed you you know they're excited to see you they love you i mean we definitely do miss them so, so it's pretty like accurate. i don't make it like oh this is so sad and like this is where you have to be i'm like oh they've missed you and they can't wait to see you and you guys are probably gonna do something really fun this week so like that also helps like don't like put your uh kids foster parent down just make it like mm-hmm. if you if they see you love them that it makes them love them more because mm-hmm. like it's okay to love them and that's good for the kid because they they need to feel like they're going somewhere safe. Yeah. And if they feel like they're going somewhere unsafe because their parent has told them it's unsafe, that doesn't make it doesn't like it doesn't hurt the system. It doesn't hurt the people who took your kids. It doesn't even really hurt the foster parent. It hurts the kid because they just Absolutely. don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. The more people that are in a child's life that love them, the better. Yeah. It just happens to be a foster care arrangement. <laughs> I'm very blessed that it happened though. Like I am so blessed. I was so mad at first, but I'm so blessed that I met her. <laughs> Me too. Aww. Me too. I think honesty is important too. Like you really need honest communication. Yeah, and like I said, that was I what really built our relationship is how honest you are about everything. I love that about you. And I tell everybody all the time, like, listen, if this parent was as honest as um Mac is, like, I would be able to do this with them and you know, yeah. I'd be able to uh, you know, create such a better relationship, but um, your honesty is huge. So I think if um, other biological parents are encouraged to be honest, because I'm not judging you, I'm not like, it, I mean, yes, if you tell me like I did drugs, you know, what am I going to tell you? I'm going to tell you, okay, first you need to call and report yourself because I'm going to have to call because I have to, or, you know, like if, you know, if you did something wrong, obviously we're not like, I got your back, but I'm going to help you get better. I'm not ever going to enable you because that doesn't help you and it doesn't help your kids. But, um, you know, but your honesty has allowed our relationship to be what it is. I feel like it's easier to tell on myself first than it is for like somebody else to tell you that I messed up. And then you're like, oh, she could have told me she had all this time. So I'm rather like, hey, messed up. Yeah. Help. Absolutely. But like, I think the honesty is like such a good way to build a relationship. And I hope like that I can um, try and be as honest as possible with um, biological parents while while I communicate with them. Because like, if I tell them one thing, and something else is actually happening, like, you know, I'm not ever going to build trust in them. And who wants their kids living with someone who can't be truthful? Well, I think there's this myth out there that only biological parents have ever screwed up. And that's not true. (laughs) Every parent screws up every day, we get to the end of the day, we're like, Oh, I should have said this differently. Or I should have, you know, I should have got down on the floor more with this one. And 
Um, you know, I think every single human being screws up all the time as a parent. Absolutely. One different life decision and we could be in reverse roles. Absolutely. I mean, this is like no, I mean, being alive is no small feat. Like the human experience is difficult. And so, um, we all make mistakes all the time. And I think what integrity is, is owning up to them. And so, yeah, I think honesty is crucial. So you guys have a reunification happening this week, which is a really big deal. And I think we've all agreed that co-parenting is the best thing for the kids. So how will you guys continue this co-parenting relationship? Well, Mac knows she can call me whenever she wants. She knows that just because the kids are leaving doesn't mean that the kids or her stop becoming part of our family. Um, You know, you're always welcome to our big Thanksgiving, you know, dinner and uh, and golf tournament. (laughs) So, and, you know, if you need a break and, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, getting getting to, um, you know, you need a a good night's sleep, you can always call me and uh, bring the girls over for a night and, you know. And why do we continue co-parenting after reunification? It's best for the kids. Like, they have been with her for a year and a half at this point now. Like, it's not fair for them to, like, get close to somebody and then just, like, lose them them because because they came home because they they still love her they have brothers here they love like they still have family here and I wouldn't like at first I wanted to take that away because it's like they're my kids (laughs) but they're not just my kids anymore they're they're her kids you don't want them to have more trauma yeah so if we as we continue co-parenting them after the reunification there's less trauma to the child there's less trauma for not just me but my kids because my kids love her kids so much and, uh, you know, when they leave, it's going to be, um, you know, we talk about it and it happens all the time for my kids that when kids leave, they like we explain it to them. But, it, you know, it's age relevant and my younger kids are going to be like, OK. And then the next day they're going to be like, where's so and so? Where's Mac Jr.? Where's Mac Jr.? And, mm-hmm. you know, and as they kind of progress it, like, you know, that that's a loss for them. So the fact that we get to keep seeing each other means that that's not just removed from their life. It's just a different relationship. Right. It turns into more support instead of trauma. Yeah. Um, and then there's more support for the biological parent um, yeah. that, that we continue the relationship. You've definitely got someone to call. Well, I just want you to know I'm still texting you every day. So <laughs> you better still text me every day. <laughs> don't think you're out, we're out of each other's lives. We're still family. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you guys to know how wonderful this was for you guys to pitch in on this. I think this is really good. Definitely was good for me. Yeah, I uh, I definitely am thankful that you're here and can't wait to talk to you on future podcasts, Mac. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social. We hope that you join us again next time and keep on fostering the future.